Listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. First, we'll talk about recently watched, which we will try not to spoil. And uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro. Creature features at the top of the show. <clears throat> Find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Rays. We're not professional critics. We're just Richard and Jolien. Hello. And Will. Hello. Guys, we did this a week ago. Well, <laughs> less than a week ago. I think we recorded it on the day. Um, but Zoom is working for me, and now here we are. So, who wants to do Recently Watched? Do you want me to do it? Because I have one movie. Okay, sure. All right, so I watched a couple episodes of uh, Hangar 1. Uh, which is that UFO show? And I really big week, big week for UFOs. It, it's been a very big week. Uh, basically, let's 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 talk about that for a second. Um, our Department of Defense has officially uh, admitted to another one of the UFO videos from our own uh, military ships. Well, our our own military airplanes cameras being uh, official, being um, actual video from their cameras. And, uh, these are, these are objects that are doing impossible speeds and maneuvers for anything we know to exist on our planet. And our own military has finally admitted, yes, that's, that's our footage. And we don't know what that stuff is. And it's happening all the time. Uh, there was a thing on 60 minutes where they talked about it a little more. And so with, uh, you know, with my usual thing for UFOs, I watched a couple episodes of, of uh, hangar one, which is from like five years ago anyway. And then army of the dead. So oh, jo- yeah. Julian, I know that you didn't particularly like the, um, idea of remaking dawn of the dead, uh, Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. um, same director did army of the dead. This one, um, is more of a heist film and an action film than it is a zombie film. So I was able to see it differently than to watch Dawn of the Dead, the remake, and, uh, you know, do all that comparing. This didn't feel quite as serious as that, because the gravity of the situation in Dawn of the Dead is very different than you've elected to say yes to this heist, go into the overrun city of Las Vegas, and go get the money. Is they're going to nuke the city. That money's going to be ash anyway. You're not allowed to fly in, 
But if you bring a helicopter pilot, there's a helicopter, you can fly it out. So they bring some fuel. They send this crack team of people who, uh, as they get added to the team, are told that they're getting less and less per person than the original two people. I don't know much about um, mixed martial arts stuff. Um, I understand that the male lead on this one is one of those dudes, Dave Bautista. Um, he's one of those champion mixed martial arts guys. Uh, I like his character. He's kind of nerdy and kind of fish out of water in some ways, but yeah, he's, he's very funny in the guardians movies. I have not seen those, but, uh, yeah, everyone seems to like this dude. So I was happy to see him as the lead in this. <laughs> yeah, I like him. So he starts by flipping burgers and then he's basically, you see some flashbacks of what he was doing before. And then he's approached to be the guy that's going to lead the team. And it's like, of course he wants out of his burger frying job. He wants to go make, make the money, do the heist. So they head in and, uh, a weird thing I found out about was that, um, uh, comedian Tignataro was, uh, cast in this actually as a replacement for, uh, comedic actor, Chris D'Elia, because he had had some accusations against him about sexual misconduct. And so I think they figured, well, we don't want to taint this with that just in case it's really that big of a problem. So they, uh, they fixed a bunch of the scenes that were already shot via green screen and digital application of the new actor. So she's, she does a great job. She's very deadpan, very funny. Um, this one's fun. It's on Netflix for no extra cost. So, right. so I watched that and that was it. So who wants to go next? Nope. Uh, sure. I didn't watch uh, too much this week. Uh, that was new. Um, some discovery. Uh, continuing on season two, it's pretty good. Um, some Riverdale, which is just bizarre if you think about it. It's it's really tawdry, but it's based on Archie comics. It couldn't be too, you know, less like items being combined. Uh, so it's it's enjoyable for that. Uh, and then I watched. Oh, a, wait, wait, uh, Will. Um, you've seen Dan DiCarlo's uh, unpublished cartoons of some of these characters. Yes. So, um, you know what, though? The, the show, those look wholesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you ever wondered what Betty and Veronica look like nude, um, you don't have to look very hard on the internet. No, not on the internet. No, they got a lot of uh, stuff. Then I, I wrapped it up by watching a uh, documentary on Heaven's Gate on uh, HBO Max. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, don't have a lot to say about it. Isn't one, one of them uh, still around and they're still into Heaven's Gate? Yes, and yes. Uh, did, you, did it talk about how they escaped the... Uh, suicide uh that guy had left uh this guy who's uh, still really into him had left because he uh had unpure thoughts yes and thought 
uh, told him, you know, oh, I'm going to step aside. So that's kind of how he avoided suicide. Yeah, the, they caught him masturbating and threw him yes. out. Yes. Well, he, he confessed before anybody knew <laughs> he felt so bad about it. Um, he watched MTV one night, and that was, that was it. Right, right. Um, did, did he say what, vi- an... what video turned him on? <laughs> it was it the, I don't know. The Eurythmic Sweet Dreams? No, uh, they showed an In Vogue video for the <laughs> documentary. So, well, the short one was really cute. Let's be clear. So you know, they were all pretty cute. Oh, that's if true. I remember. I think that was one of my first concerts. <clears throat> really? Yeah. They came to Las Cruces. They came to Las Cruces. Wow. I think I was seventh or eighth grade. Oh, yeah, that's the right age to see a bunch of women in short dresses. Yeah, in vogue. uh, And I can't remember who the other two groups were. We didn't go to see in vogue. We went to see one of the other groups, but now I can't even remember who it was. Uh, Kid in play? No, no, that was a a little before them. Jodeci? It may have been. (laughs) I was kidding. I think Jodeci may have played. That may have been who I went to go see. Damn. Um, yeah. It was... I don't remember who the third group was. Tony, Tony, Tony? Yeah. Could have been. Uh, uh, or, uh, no. Uh, oh, what was that group? Oh, Belle Biv DeVoe. Belle Biv DeVoe. That's who I went oh, to go man. see. Oh, man. That was poison. Yeah, Jodeci. And in Vogue, I believe that was the lineup. Damn! <laughs> I think we figured it out. That wasn't much detective work. No, no, no. It, w- it was all kind of there. Yeah. But it was a concert I hadn't thought of in a hundred million years, so... Yeah. So, who, uh, do you remember who was the best out of the bunch? Probably Belle Biv DeVoe, if I'm just going to guess. I think in Vogue was probably the best, actually. Yeah, they had some good voices. Yeah, they had really good voices. Uh, uh, I don't really remember Jodeci or Belle Div DeVoe being particularly memorable. Hmm. Um, they were good shows. I, I was entertained as an eighth grader or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's, uh, going back to the Heaven's Gate thing, there's another guy who uh, was a member who left... Uh, because Marshall Applewhite, the, the leader, made fun of his voice. <laughs> and it really, really wounded him. And this poor guy, he joined when he was 19 or 20. He, his girlfriend, and another guy went to a meeting in the 70s. And uh, they were really into UFOs. And so they joined up. And... Just the interviews with the the guy, you get the feeling that it really stunted his development. Like he, something about him seemed like he was still, I mean, this is a 70-year-old man now, late 60s. I don't know how quite old he is. Um, But uh, yeah, he seemed like he was still 20 in some way. It was was weird. Uh, Not anything that they mention or uh specifically in the documentary just something i i kind of noticed it's like wow this poor guy really 
stunted his development. He's still kind of this sort of lost 20 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I learned that the Heaven's Gate people tried to recruit in Boulder and they lived in Boulder Canyon because of course they did. Yeah. Um, it's Boulder. Where else are you going to go? It's probably a great place to recruit uh, future cult members. Damn. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't know that they had people who had uh, who were members who had regular jobs, uh, fairly high-paying computer jobs. So uh, weird, isn't it? Yeah, and they talk about it in the documentary how uh, it's usually well-educated people from good backgrounds who end up in cults. Yeah, and, and terrorist groups. And terrorist groups, yeah, it's strange. Uh, you would think, you know, uh, that wouldn't be the case, but um, they go over an experiment where one person is in a room with five Confederates and they answer questions, and the first three or four, they the, the Confederates uh, all answer correctly, as does the, the one test subject, and then the Confederates start answering wrong and really wrong like they had to measure these lines and say does line the line match with a b or c and it's clear it's a but they all are saying c which is you know way too long and uh three quarters of the time people the the test subject would even say "Uh, i i knew they were wrong but they must be seeing something that i can't because why would they all say that? Mm-hmm. So they would change their answer. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, well, did either of you ever do psychology experiments in, in college? No, I didn't. Jolien? Uh, no, we didn't do that. Did you do logic and I, critical thinking, either of you? Yeah, we had to read, read uh, I'm okay, you're okay. And uh, the Hidden Persuaders as a summer reading before we entered college. Ah. <laughs> I, t- I took part in probably six, eight different experiments. And it was always a, uh, is this a real experiment or is this some other experiment? They're not telling me that I'm part of, mm-hmm. you know, am I really watching this video and pressing the button every time something pops up on it, remember, uh, or are they doing something else here to see if they can, you know, am I a mark or am I a mark some way? How is it? So you, you feel a bit like you're, you're taking part in a con or something. (laughs) So is this experiment real or, and they wouldn't tell you, you'd never know because double blind so yeah you know that doesn't mean they poke both your eyes out right yeah you gotta you gotta sometimes be uh, concerned whether you're being made a rube (laughs) sometimes i had a class uh oh what was it but the professor got there early and uh he looked kind of like a student non-traditional student and he just sat outside the classroom reading a paper and nobody tried the door. It was a psychology or something along that lines. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, so he sat there for a long time, and he's like, nobody going to try the door? The door's unlocked. It's open. Just because I'm sitting out here doesn't mean you know, uh, I'm even waiting for this class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird if you think about it. Like, you know, you it's sort of the um, the psych professor equivalent of just like deciding you need a day and, and just uh, putting on a movie for the students you know <laughs> kind of yeah i think it was a sociology class he was also one that uh um uh, posted the answers to the test before the test on the bulletin board but never told anybody Damn. Just to see if anybody would go and notice <laughs> and it wasn't until the end like the last the final he's like did anybody ever notice i always posted the test answers up like the morning of the test no, nobody looked at his bulletin board. So that kind of reminds me of something I did in ninth grade. Um, th- this teacher was kind of a real pain, and uh, she had a stack of of the stapled together paper tests she was going to hand out. And um, I-, I was feeling particularly rebellious. I walked up to the front of the class while she wasn't in the room yet, and everyone was just sort of chatting. I grabbed the whole stack of tests. I walked over to one of her several file cabinets, opened the bottom drawer, dropped them in and kicked it shut. Well, didn't didn't kick it. I pushed it shut with my foot and did that thing with my hands, like dusting them off and turned around. Yeah. No one was really looking at what I just did. And I sat down and the teacher came in the room, looked around, sat down, uh, said some stuff and then looked over at, the empty spot where the pile of tests had been and said, where are the tests? And everyone kind of looked and no one pointed at me. And I realized they didn't even notice me do it. <laughs> I better just shut up. Cause I'm going to be in so much trouble. And there was this siege of, of like two or three days of like, you know, no questions asked. Someone slips a note, you know, and finally I think what I did was then one of the next two days, Walked in like I did when I dropped them in the drawer, took them out and put them on top of the desk. And no one saw me do that either. <laughs> Theater of oh, the obvious. Good. Holy crap. The stuff you can do in a classroom. Um, and I never got in trouble for it. So far. All right. So far. Until now. <laughs> I think I think I've gone past the statute on that one. Yeah. Right. Probably. That's what kind of kid I was. <laughs> I did well on the test, by the way. Should have taken one home. Had I been thinking, you know, that would have been time to study up. But I, didn't. I did that with a test in high school. I uh, We had a substitute on test day. So I just took the test home, cheated, took it back the next day and said I was absent. Ah. And the, and the, teacher was who was back was like well the sub marked you was here and i was like i don't know about that yeah they, so they, when she when he gave me the test i just swapped him out <laughs> <laughs> yeah sleight of hand that is awesome to be to be fair it was a metals shop class test so it wasn't like i was you know yeah. cheating myself <laughs> anyway or really getting away with much it was a bullshit 
test, you know. Well, how much of don't. algebra do you use on a day-to-day basis? Let's be clear. That's true. You know, like I've, I think I've used almost none. So. Yeah. If you cheated on an algebra test, good on you. <laughs> you, you put one over on the man. Yeah. <laughs> that wraps it up for my uh, recently watched. All right. So we talked about cheating on tests and uh, Joe to see <laughs> not stealing the show. Jolien, what have you watched? Well, uh, I, ha- I had a day off uh, and uh, watched movies all day. All uh, right. Yes, it was heavenly. Uh, so I watched a uh, whole bunch of uh, such a jet ride movies. Um, actually, they, they turned out to be uh, two of them were parts of anthologies that had been released separately. So I guess there was fewer than that. But, uh, so his last movie, which is The Stranger from 1991, uh, that's about this uh, supposed great uncle who turns up after 25 years at this uh, middle-class home in Calcutta, and uh, they don't know if he's the real thing. Um, they can't think of a way to prove it. Um, but it's the way that everyone reacts to him that, you know, reveals how everyone, you know, what everyone's like. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, that, was, that was pretty cool. It was one of his later movies that, you know, doesn't, he was pretty ill at the time, so it's uh, it's like he died the next year. So uh, uh, doesn't uh, go outside much. It's mostly in this one house. Uh, watched an uh, Enemy of the People, another one of his later movies from '89, based on the Henrik Ibsen play. That's one about um, this guy goes to this uh, village and he realizes that uh, everyone's falling sick because the uh, there's uh, uh, poison, some kind of toxin in the in the water that's coming from the temple that everyone imbibes. And uh, so he's he's got to make a case that the temple is poisoning everyone. And of course, no one must listen to that. No. Um, the Holy Man, which is uh, one of his comedies from mid '60s. Uh, it's about uh, what they call a baba. Um, he comes to town. He's got a. He's got his assistant. Um, he uh, 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 and and but one of the people that he brings into his cult is this a uh, young woman that this fellow's fallen in love with. So he go. He devises this scheme to expose the baba, and uh, uh, it, it is, it's pretty funny. Really, really nice looking film. Um, his, his assistant dresses up as Durga, so he's, he's got these multiple arms stuck on himself <laughs> for this <laughs> illusion. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and then uh, the Three Daughters anthology, so there's like three stories. Uh, there's one called Samaptri, where there's this girl that the local village calls Crazy Girl, and uh, she's uh, uh, this, this stuck-up guy comes back, and he's, he's a He's a student. He's going to study law. So he's pretty full of himself coming back to his, his home village. And uh, uh, they've, they've arranged um, um, for a girl to meet him. And uh, this poor girl, <laughs> she like, she's learned an instrument and she's like all dressed up and firing stuff. He's just not interested. He couldn't be more bored with her. But he's really interested in Crazy Girl. And uh, uh, so um, uh, she... 
I, she, she's really amazing. She's a, uh, uh, there was a famous photo for Life magazine. They did a photo shoot on um, the monsoon at the time, and she, her photo was on the cover. Um, but yeah, she looks really amazing. Um, and then uh, Mario Horror is the middle story, and that's uh, Sachajit Ray's actual horror movie. He did a ghost film. Um, so it's only like 50 minutes. It's uh, feels a lot like House of Usher. There's a uh, there's a woman who's uh, really into jewelry, and uh, she uh, 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 she's married to this uh, fellow who moves into this uh, big uh, mansion. What they call it, a villa, and uh, he's he's trying to provide her with jewels, and she's she's pretty uh, frigid, and doesn't show him affection unless he's giving her jewelry. And then uh, uh, one day she disappears and uh, you get the idea that she's dead and um, he's got some new jewellery and uh, you're kind of wondering if she's going to come back and get it, whether she's dead or not. Um, that, that, that was pretty cool. Um, the Coward, which is kind of a, almost noirish, it's got a jazzy soundtrack, uh, which is unusual for him. And uh, that's about this guy who's uh, he's stranded during a storm and this fella invites him back to his tea plantation to stay overnight. Uh, but this fella's married to this guy's ex and uh, they're still pretty hot for each other. So things get, you know, pretty noirish pretty quick. Um, it's sort of a postman always wins twice sort of situation. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, he's one of my favourite directors. Um see uh i saw an actual uh crime movie called i love trouble have you seen that one no uh that's from 47 it looks like a film noir and um it's basically just a detective story it's not really paranoid enough to be a noir i don't think uh the the hero is he's much too together um <laughs> uh played by uh french tone okay yes i have seen this one yeah uh janet blair's in it yeah uh yeah, he's just got everything figured out. You know, he's this good-looking, well-dressed guy and knows what to do in every situation. There's, there's not much paranoia to it. Um, but it's, it's just packed with all these starlets in, in small roles. Uh, it's got, uh, uh, in the supporting cast, it's got uh, John Ireland, Raymond Burr as a thug. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adelia Jerkins is one of the women. Um there's lots of uh, lighting through slatted windows and uh, him getting concussed multiple times and falling into a whirlpool of blackness, etc. Um, calls everywhere, every woman angel because every single woman in the, in in his world is is beautiful. Started. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> yeah. underpopulated Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco. I mean. um, when we saw uh, Run Lola Run, which I'd never seen before, this is from 1998. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's uh, a good one. Yeah. Um, directed by Tommy Tickworth. You know, uh, you know what that one's about. Yeah. Uh, rewatched uh, The Yakuza from 74. Uh, it's a Sidney Pollack movie. Uh, I, I was, I was uh, always impressed how uh, they did their homework on this. It's all uh, well-researched. Um, so you've got Robert Mitchum going to... Um, Japan because he owes someone and uh, he teams up with Ken Takakura who's like a 
he was like one of the great heroes of he did loads of yakuza movies especially the uh the more honorable ones in the 60s um but uh yeah it's, it's a good movie um and uh last one i saw was uh the final war which is a 1960 japanese movie um 1960 there were two movies about nuclear war so there was a uh, Final War and Last War. Uh, uh, Last War is the big glossy color Toho one. And then Final War is the black and white Toei one. And um, uh, yeah, it just sets up a bunch of characters and uh, kills every single person on Earth off. Oh, man. (laughs) Is that kind of, is the fact that they both came out the same year, that sort of, uh, ants, Bugs Life, uh, Dante's Peak, uh, yeah. whatever the volcano movie. Right. You know, uh, one studio gets the idea, and the other's like, yes. "Oh, let's rush it into production." Right, because the, the, the Toho one was the, like this big production, as I said, and there's loads of notice on it. Mm, this okay. is like a good serious movie. I mean, it was definitely in the air. You know. Oh yeah, uh, it doesn't. J- Japan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. Um, you know. It, it was like what, eight years since the occupation, 15 years after Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. Uh, so it was pretty fresh. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, the, and then the country itself was basically an aircraft carrier for the United States. And, you know, they, yeah. they were very well aware that uh, if anything kicked off, they'd be, they'd be you know, yeah. out of the picture pretty quick. But uh, yeah, and, and this and this was back when there was this, uh, and it persisted. There was this vague idea that you could survive a uh, nuclear war. Yeah, or that you would want to. Yeah, there was a lot of advice that didn't sound very convincing. Uh, they even had Groucho Marx sort right. of, sort of narrate some of that. Yeah, and uh, I, when I was a kid, it was it was really frightening. And oh yeah. Um, we're kind of complacent about it now because, like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. Two minutes later, we're crispy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when I, when I was a kid and you had the vague idea that you could survive, you know, you think, oh, can I get to South America or, or something like that? And then, uh, and then you realized, no, I'd really rather be a ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flash bang, I'm gone. You know, definitely but something. Anyway. That's that's everything I watched. Wow! All right. And and did you rewatch The Gate, or have you seen it so many? Yes, times? I did. And so, Will, have you seen it so many times you didn't need to, or did you watch it again? Uh, no, I rewatched it. I mean, this is a movie I watched a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. But had not seen it in thirty some years. This one to uh, to me feels like it's the it's the better thing from the era of Monster Squad. Because yeah, the effects on this one and and the uh, story that involves the kids is, although not believable, it's more believable than uh, Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> I like True. it better than the pit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah, yeah. This kid grows up to be Steven Dorf and is definitely more likable than that other kid. Mm-hmm. The the kid who I suggested I is very punchable, if I remember right. <laughs> I, I, Yes. I don't know if I can agree with that. I think I, despite the flaws of the pit, liked it a little more because it was a little weirder. Right. Um, 
there was some things in this that I did not remember or uh, misremembered, such as the, uh, we'll skip to the end here, the, uh, I didn't remember he was into model rockets. For some reason, I, if you'd asked me, I would have said he killed the, the demon at the end with fireworks, I think because there's a firework display right afterwards. But I could have sworn he killed him with like a Roman candle or a big rocket or something. Yeah. I guess it was a big rocket, but you know. But the fireworks kind, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so did you see this first on, um, because you were friends with the people who had the video store? Did, did I think so. VHS? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it would have been 1987, maybe 88 that this came out. So it's about uh, 10 or 11. Uh, Eighty-six. Well, I mean, uh, out on video. Okay. Yeah, I know the movie came out in eighty-six. So I, I imagine it came out on video about eighty-seven. Um, yeah, I uh, I heard about this movie first, uh, much like Child's Play and uh, They Live. I heard the plot before I saw it, so I was camping in the backyard with uh, my cousin and uh, and a friend in a tent. And uh, uh, there was a uh, washer line, you know, where the wastewater would come out of the, the washing machine and it uh, make this gurgling noise. And that set up my friend telling me, oh, my God, have you guys seen The Gate? <laughs> and my cousin and I were like, no, what's that? And he had to tell us, this, you know, you have to, as a kid, you have to, like, act out the whole thing. So it probably took as long as the movie. Um, I don't remember if it was accurate or not, but I do remember being freaked out and certain, even though I knew what that noise was, having slept in the backyard numerous times before and heard it or heard it in the day, um, uh, it still, it freaked me out. I was certain, oh God, that's not the washer. Uh, it's a gateway to hell. That's the gateway to hell. I knew my parents lived right above the hell mouth. I knew it. <laughs> now a demon's going to eat me. Why'd they let me sleep in the backyard? They're such bad parents. Do you think kids today are afraid of anything in that way? Because do you remember like when you would watch a movie about spiders, you'd get the, the creepy crawly tinglys on you and you'd, you'd be feeling spiders on you. And if you, if you read or saw anything to do with, you know, the omen or something, you'd hear the house settling and be sure that it was something else. Satan himself yep. coming and get you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure kids are scared today because a lot of that's your imagination and it's really, really easy as a kid to get worked up. I mean, it's pretty easy as an adult to get worked up over your imagination over different things. You tend to imagine uh, more concrete terrors uh than than spiders or or satan himself <laughs> but uh yeah stars uh, eating babies yeah exactly you know the democrats are eating babies yeah. yeah uh yeah so yeah and then and then i eventually got to watch this film on video probably a couple weeks later maybe maybe a week later, I don't remember, not too too long after I went and sought it out. Were you nervous? And, uh, I was. I remember being really freaked out about this movie. And then being, uh, I think if it hadn't 
entertain me as much as it did, I would have been really disappointed because it's not very scary. There's a couple scenes like the hands from under the bed. That's a that's a universal kind of thing that kids are afraid of, I believe. You know, the boneless gorilla that lives under your bed that can reach out and grab you when you turn off the lights. Yeah. So you have to flip the lights off and then jump from the you know from the the step at the at the the doorway of your room to the bed if you could make it or run real fast or whatever you had to do standing run long and then jump, jump. <laughs> yeah something yeah it seems like um seems like you're trying to hit the bed before the room gets dark <laughs> yeah like you could do it <laughs> right uh, it, it is crazy though that like the stuff that you think that your covers will protect you from when you're that age. Uh huh. Yeah. This yeah. In, this impervious. No, as long as shield. nothing is exposed. Yeah. If your foot blanket would protect you. Yeah. If your foot is sticking out, it's over. I'm 150 degrees under all these blankets. I can barely breathe, but uh, I'm not sticking anything out. I know it'll get me. Yeah. It's a different world when you're a kid. Um, you ever dream of having a snorkel yeah. so you could breathe from under the blankets, you know? Yeah. I often thought about that. It was like, oh, if I had a snorkel, I could just stick that out. And then you'd think like, ooh, what if it put something in the snorkel to get you? Yeah, like some kind of bug. Yeah, you'd breathe it in or ugh, yeah. be in your mouth. So, so as far as this movie goes... Um, structure wise do you feel like kind of doing the cold open in a nightmare is a good way to set the tone or does that sort of uh sort of throw too much out there to begin with what do you guys think of that it worked fine yeah i felt like i mean you kind of knew it was a dream yeah it felt like it you know usually the way a character moves through a scene you can tell it's a dream but uh i personally thought it was good for setting tone um but, yeah, yeah. You you kind of know what its intentions are, I think. But he wakes up from the dream, and the and the guys are already sawing up the tree. That I don't know if lightning killed it or if it was just a diseased tree. But he no longer has a treehouse. Yeah, and uh, that's a bummer when you're a kid that age. Because he what, what is he supposed to be? Ten or twelve? Yeah, I guess he was about ten. That, yeah, I was putting him at about ten. And uh, at that age, I mean, if you had a, a backyard with a big tree and a treehouse in it, you kind of had it made. Sort of oh, a yeah. good place to escape. Did either one of you have anything like that? No, I attempted to build a couple forts. I never had a good tree. Yeah. Uh, but I had a friend who had an awesome treehouse. It was like much like the one in the movie. Wow. Jolene, what about you? We, we built a kind of platform. It wasn't really a treehouse. It was kind of fixed up some bits of wood so we could sit up in the branches. Yeah. it's. I think it's important to have that. We had a couple versions of that at different places where we had lived. It was mostly my brother's doing. But, uh, you know, just some place to go hang out with a friend when you have a friend over. You know, just get away from the parents for a little bit. But... Uh, yeah, it's it just seems like uh, this this kid he's living a pretty good life because you know he's got several model rockets and that's what he's really into. So I don't think he wants for much. 
seems like he's got lots of toys and stuff. And yeah. uh, he and his older sister are kind of growing apart because she's kind of now being allowed to hang out with her teen friends a little more, a little more freedom. Cause now she's going to be the babysitter for the weekend while the parents are away for three days. Um, what's the first thing happens? She throws a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Invite all your idiot friends over and trash the place. And they all shop at the place, same place, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was dressed about the same. Uh, how far into the movie were I like you? the one girl's hair. Oh, yeah, with the bangs, the weird sticky-up bangs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that she was great. She terrible. I hope she's a good actress. I mean, she, she has been in the OC since. Oh, has she? Oh, has she? Yeah, but, yeah, I, I was, like, watching it, I was thinking, well, I hope this is a good performance because she's, like, really repulsive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had that, all, all, those, all her cussing is, like, things you couldn't say these days. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Home- yeah, like the uh, the boy says uh, says something that now would uh, be quite frowned upon. But thinking back at it, like nineteen eighty six, yeah, that was a pretty mild swear for a for a you know sixth grader. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I uh, guess he'd be fifth grade, but whichever. And it was a very homophobic time for for some of the stuff. Oh they said. yeah, you know, and, and not to excuse it, but to but rather to explain it. Uh, not surprising. Uh, how long, how long were you guys into the movie before you kind of figured it was a Canadian production or a partially Canadian production? I had one visual clue. Oh yeah. Yeah. Black, uh, black person in the whole town. Uh, was there one? <laughs> it was, I saw one at the party. Oh yeah. Yes. There, there actually, yeah, there were, there were a couple black kids at the party. Um, I thought that was a, that was pretty nice you know, throw out some diversity there. I felt it was Canadian. Um, there was not one, any real thing. Uh, it kind of had a Canadian feel to it. I felt that their giant front yard and backyard and the fact that the neighbors were really far apart didn't seem quite sub, um, suburban America. Yeah. It, it seemed a little, uh, I, I suppose it could have been like Wisconsin or somewhere it seemed very north, uh, uh, but it yeah, it didn't it didn't seem like mm, this is not quite America. Yeah, could have. Uh, there is another thing I did notice that is not a not an American thing, but I want to hear what you saw. Okay, when they um, at least two different scenes where they pan through the kitchen or the dining area, ah. the HP sauce. Yes. Okay, so Jolien, you know this one from England. Yeah. Is it the same thing as A1 sauce? Have you tried A1 sauce? No. How long have you been here? <laughs> 20 some odd years? Yeah. All right. We'll have to get you a bottle. Um, I think it's the same <laughs> stuff. Uh, don't you all call it brown sauce? Oh, yeah. Daddy sauce. Yeah. <laughs> so does HP stand for Houses of Parliament? Yeah, it's got the House of Parliament on the label. Okay. So I think it's the same thing as A1 sauce, but... Um, it's on the table along with a pot roast. And it seems like, okay, it's red meat and there's that sauce. It would be a one sauce were it set in the United States. So it's gotta be Canada. So that, yeah, I think it's a little more gravy like than a one. Okay. I think a one is a little zestier. If I should say, I don't know. Huh. Uh, brown sauce. I've never had it, but, but that it's was, very, it's very tangy and quite thick. 
Okay, so then it is like A1 it's sauce. It's like brown ketchup. Yeah. I'm, yeah, okay, so it's A1 sauce. Yeah, it probably or, is. Or uh, Heinz 57, probably. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's the same sort of thing. Yeah. But yes, that's what that's what alerted me to its <laughs> its definite Canadianness. Yeah, that's what made the red maple leaf start flashing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nothing... I smell Canadian bacon. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it was filmed in Toronto, I believe. Uh, I think. Well, let me see. I'll, I have something on screen here I can scroll to. But, uh, yeah, it seemed like um, they were doing that a lot, especially then, uh, for production costs more than anything like yeah. you know, a little tax shelter situation. Yeah. It says the, um, the house was a real home in Toronto, but an exterior exit had to be constructed for the production featuring bricks, stairs, and a bug zapper. Um, beyond the backyard was a new housing development. So the crew erected a fence around the yard to block the construction vehicles and workers from view. So there's a little interesting bit. Um, these, the effects were all practical slash in camera slash guys in rubber suits more so than any, there was no real digital effect. There was some stop motion, but uh forced perspective was used a lot in this movie. I yeah. Found, I found it was out pretty impressive. I remembered it all being stop motion. Yeah. But the, but the little minion dudes. Uh, yeah, they were not, they were just guys. They, in they were a mix. Oh, were they? Uh, some, some of it was stop Yeah, there were a couple scenes. That's right. There were a couple some scenes. Some of it was like when, uh, just straight puppets, and then, uh, but most of it was costumes. I love their derpy little faces. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They all, all kind of had the same expression. Uh, they, they moved differently enough, and they were shaped differently enough to where you could kind of tell they were dudes in suits, but, uh, but they all had the same face, which kind of made it creepy, but cool at the same time. And it, yeah. it didn't like, it didn't take me out of the scene, but one of my favorite memories from this, which held up really well was when that zombie construction worker that came out of the wall mm. falls face down and busts into yes. a bunch of pieces, which are all the little dudes. Right. Oh, those are cool. That that's a really good shot. Yeah. I found that in general with the effects on the, I mean, this is a low budget film, but they're, they're well done. And, uh, uh but they're, they're smartly presented the way that the angles they use and the, the way they set them up so that they're more convincing. Yeah. Like they don't just do a quick cut to the giant demon busting out the floor. They, the camera starts off in the hall, pulls back into another room as you're looking through a doorway. And then they've, you know, they've got layers so that uh, you've got the little minions come out the pit first and they gather around yeah. to watch it. And it's all one shot and, and then the giant demon comes up. So it really sells you that this, this thing is coming up out the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. The, in the, the aforementioned shot where the, where the dude busts into a bunch of minions was forced perspective. And, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the footage of this, uh, but they actually show how they had the, the bedroom door that had some coats hanging on it is actually cut away. And what they do is they, they push the dummy over, they mark the floor, they pull them out of the scene and the camera is of course locked off. And then, uh, they replace him with all the little dudes, but they're actually pretty far away from the camera. 
And then the actors can stand off to the side and they look in scale proper to the room. But it's really crazy. I saw, I I dug up something on this on uh, YouTube and watched it. And I was like, this is crazy because they show you how it's done. But when you rewatch it, you can kind of see the difference in the door top to bottom. So it's, so it's, it's so close to seamless, but once you know it's there, you can see the seam and, uh, but it totally works visually. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah. The best trick anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you guys like the neighbor kid? The, the, yeah, the, I like the neighbor kid. Was he ter- was a, Terry. Or? Terry, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I like that he was a nerdy heavy metal kid. Right. Yeah, you don't have to be cool because you're a metalhead. You could be a metal. Yeah, I was. I was like, there were so many heavy metal kids in my school that were not academic nerds by any chance, but were definitely nerds. Right. You know, and uh, and I I wonder. Maybe that's like more the usual than, than, you know, the, uh, I don't know, junior sociopath that they would think you, you know, uh, metalhead would be, but, uh, you're at least a misfit if you're a metalhead. Yeah. Is that a dog? Yeah. That dog? Was, yeah. That was the, that was uh birdie sneezing oh, here. Yeah. The, they're, the dogs have to run in and out of the room and if I close them out, then they just, scratch on the door the whole time so, yeah. yeah i liked his uh yeah his room is just covered in posters and there's uh yeah yeah just, yeah i was trying to pick out posters he had uh iron maiden he had a bunch of maiden yeah mm-hmm. yeah several maidens one was yours born yeah duran duran in there which is a good mix that was uh, that was wow. to get girls yeah the cramps yeah. yeah, that Graham Humphreys uh, cover for the cramps. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, the Venom jacket. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot of dark stuff mixed with some stuff that wasn't quite as dark, for sure. Uh, did you like the fact that he had like a parachute with metal spray painted on it? That, that, was, <laughs> that the, was pretty, the, yeah, that backdrop. was like. <laughs> That's the backdrop yeah. behind his drum set. Um, did, did they show him playing the drums at all? Uh, no. He probably sucked. You know, that, that's the that's the age where you try and convince your friends to buy an instrument and learn how to play it so you can form a band. Yeah. It's like, dude, you should get a bass. Uh-huh, <laughs> sure. My parents are going to buy me that. Yeah. Yeah. No. You might be able to get a washboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a tambourine. We form a jug band. <laughs> so I think we could do that. It's amazingly hard to find a big ceramic jug like that. You know, with the with the ring around the neck of it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably now. Oh yeah, all the hipsters bought them up. Yeah. Yeah. The, Started the, their own jug bands. Yeah. But the, you know, the once it falls out of favor, then you know it'd be easy to get one. All right. Just got to weigh them out. Yeah, but then it gets really hard to get signed. You know, all the agents out there looking for good jug bands, they've already moved, oh, yeah. they've moved on to the next thing. You should spray your jug with metal or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll fit in better. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so you got the, the, uh, the neighbor kid uh, getting 
was was he cloned? Was he replicated? Or was he possessed when he turned into like Rat Boy? Because the construction worker uh, pulled him into the wall. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess he was possessed. Be- because the sister, Al... Um, Stabs him in the eye with a Barbie doll. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. And then uh, he comes back later normal. But then again, the dog dies and then comes back normal. So Yeah. Yeah. And the daughter gets to, you know, his sister gets taken too. Yeah. So that counts as like the two human sacrifices for the pit, right? For the, the gate. Yeah. I didn't quite yeah, understand how they came back from that. No. I, I yeah. Was... That part felt a little uh, tacked on maybe. Or not a little like not well thought out. Well, just well, we're not really going to kill these two kids. We have to bring them back at the end. Yeah, I found because um, I didn't. I wasn't sure how this movie was pitched. You know, were they trying to do a PG children's movie? But then you have like all this eye violence, and they, they don't skimp on. The gruesome stuff, like where the the demon parents turn up and the yeah oh yeah that was a pretty good scene too. No, I think that was just kind of the case with uh, with kids movies or uh, at the time they could be a little scarier, a little gorier. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the rating on this was. If this was even. PG or PG thirteen, probably just straight PG. But yeah, it's weird that um, that a movie like this had such a like ten to twelve year old uh, uh, hero and and sidekick, and clearly aimed at that audience at least to some extent, and then turned around and did like Jolien said, added in the demon parents where the kid plunges his hands into the dad's face mm. and all that. I, I would definitely have liked all that, the gory special oh, effects at the time. I loved it. If I was, it as if I was 12. Same, but it's the parents who, yeah. kinda, who are the party poopers for that kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I think, I think, and just remembering my parents were really blase what I watched. Same. Uh, <laughs> they didn't really care. If you were out of their hair, I think they were, they were happy. Um, I mean, I can't remember a single thing that I watched. Basically, most of it was on network television, so it was fairly uh, safe. But uh, but yeah, I don't think parents in the '80s really cared. So when this came out, you were ten or twelve. It was perfect. It was a perfect movie. It may have been a little bit scary, but like I said, I didn't think it was terribly scary as a kid. Um, it was definitely a lot scarier to hear about, mm. uh, you know, in the in the darkened tent, yes. gurgling noises in the background. <laughs> uh, it's hard to sell movies that way, though. It, it, that it, one kid would get real uh, tired of telling that story, <laughs> and you can only fit maybe four people in the tent at a time, so. It was like vaudeville. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> vaudeville in the American Southwest. Um, yeah. What about the uh, the kind of uh, the slick, colorful look of this thing? It didn't feel like a low budget compared to... No, some, it, it looked good. Like, 
compared yeah, it looks very good they did a good job yeah like like there are so many low budget movies that look low budget and this one looked like it was you know in a little higher weight class than than what it yeah. actually was yeah and, i was a little surprised that it was from 1986 i remembered it another thing i misremembered that it was earlier it was like 1982 yeah but, uh, yeah, I felt the same way. Like I, the, I think the pit's around. 80, yeah, the pit is from eighty-nine, eighty. I think those these two movies get conflated because of the the, the similarity in the fact that it's a hole in the ground and it's a kid about the same age. Hmm. But uh, that other kid really sucks, and I like this kid better. So, uh, <laughs> you know, at least this one, it, you you feel like he's not gonna uh, kill somebody in their sleep. That that other kid. I don't know. Uh, molest a librarian or something. Right. Uh, there, there was a whole list of stuff that kid did that was wrong. And this this kid's kind of cute. He's he's just a sweet kid who likes rockets. So you wouldn't have rooted for the other kid if he was fighting demons. I don't know, man. Same movie as The Gate, but we replace uh, Glenn with uh, whatever his name was from The Pit. Yeah, it would be hard for me to get on board with that kid if he was in if he was in this movie. I hope the demons eat this creepy kid. Yeah, he's he's or trying he hurts someone. He's trying to watch his sister take a shower. Let's let's just let him get eaten by the demon. Yeah. You know, uh, did you feel like since so many times <laughs> this is Richard's gone feral and he's trying to gnaw his own limbs off. There are minions in the background there. Are there minions in there? You know, these dogs are only slightly different than those demons in the movie. I mean, a bit more cuddly. Yeah. The, the noise that this little dog, I should, I should honestly mic them sometime. I mean, you can hear enough. Oh, of they're mic'd. We can hear enough of it. Yeah. Here, let, let me move the mic. Here. And then they immediately stop. They won't stop. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'll stop. Yeah. But it, it, it definitely sounds like uh, from the movie Gremlins. Um, normally in a movie, if there's this much obsession with rockets, there's some sort of phallic thing going on. I didn't feel like they did that here. There were... Do you guys no. feel like there was anything phallic about the rockets? Yeah, I, was, I was trying to think what... what what the subtext was because uh, it, when it starts off, he seems to have some suppressed rage going, but his, his friend is much more, much more of an angry kid. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he's lost his mother. And his dad is uh, pretty absent with his job, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really follow through on that. He, yeah, he kind of makes yeah. up with his sister. She, you know, she, they treat each other better. Yeah. Yeah. Th this kid has a better support system than the, the nerd neighbor kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to, to, to rewind and freeze frame, but I was watching on something that had commercials. Um, I want to say, and I'm going to click on IMDB cause they list goofs. Did the dad misspell business on his note? Yes. It, it was B-U-S-S bus, bus in this. <laughs> okay. 
That, that's something I was pretty sure I saw, but didn't want to risk having the movie have to start itself over because mm. I tried to rewind it five seconds. Oh. Oh, man. I, I did like looking at the uh, album art of uh, the, uh, whatever that, Terry's rec that album. Crucifix or whatever their name was. Yeah. Yeah. Had all that artwork in it. Uh, some quite famous uh, imagery in there that they were, they yeah. were using for the film. Yeah. Um, this is one of those, it shows you how Lovecraft was uh, making a sort of comeback in the 80s because uh, there's that illustration from uh, Color Out of Space that they use in there and it comes back in the climax of the movie where you've got the uh, the pit with the column of stuff jetting up into the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's the Virgil Findlay illustration of Color Out of Space in the album artwork. Oh, that's oh, cool. Nice. I didn't realize and, that at all. Yeah, they, they've, they've replaced the, uh, the face in the original illustration with some vaguely devil sort of looking face. Mm, but, okay. Yeah, that's Virgil Findlay. And then oh, they nice. use the, uh, there's another picture you can see in there, which is like there's all these demons hovering over a house. Uh-huh. And one of the demons has got a drum. Oh, nice. That's a famous, um, that's from one of the oldest uh, records of poltergeists. Oh. Uh, oh it's wow. the, the drummer of Tedworth. Mm, it's this okay. uh, 1662 occurrence where this, uh, <laughs> there was this guy who's a drummer and he'd been scamming people uh, and stealing stuff. And he was sentenced to be deported and uh, uh, to Australia, I think. Um, and uh, they took his drum into this house. And then after that, the household would report sounds of drumming at night. <laughs> they got really loud. Uh, yeah, I looked it up in the, my wow. dictionary of the supernatural. Oh, nice. Um, it's in Wiltshire. It's the home of the magistrate, John Montpesson. Uh, a drummer, William Drury, was arrested for vagrancy and his drum was confiscated and taken into the house. Um, since the drum had been in the property, loud thumping and drumming noises had been heard at night by all the occupants. Uh, after the itinerant drummer had been sentenced to transportation, the disturbances ceased. But when he escaped and returned to England, the noises began again. Oh. In addition, objects were moved, strange lights seen, sulfurous smells reported, drops of blood were found, and the disturbance of bed and bedclothes was especially noticed at night time when the noises were often worse, sometimes waking up the whole village. They seemed to occur particularly in the vicinity of children. Wow. Weird. Um, yeah, that, the, that account... Uh, was so famous it influenced the uh, Salem witch trials because they oh. could refer to it as some official record of a satanic disturbance by children. Damn. Well, that, that's a handy book to have around, especially if you're going to watch 80s movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about another real 80s thing was the inclusion of the geode? Oh, uh, yeah. That seemed like a real 80s rock. Everybody had a geode or... Yeah. Seemed like a, people's parents had a geode on their their little glass and 
chrome or gold shelves. Yeah. Yeah, there um, there definitely were a lot of them hanging around. But it's funny, the one kid said, like, they're never that big or whatever. And it's like, yeah, they, they get really big. They're, they can, um, yeah. Yeah, they're formed by volcanic activity. So a lot of the planet was yeah. made by volcanoes. There's a, there's a pretty spectacular one on uh, TNG that you see show up in all the sets. Every, every crew member's quarters at some point will have the geode in the background. Like, do they just pass that around between people? Uh, <laughs> you know, alien, they'll go to an alien world, they'll be the, there's that geode in the background. Yeah. So I made some joke that that kid was going to sell that big geode to Paramount Studios. <laughs> Clean up. Um, were you guys happy with uh, how this all wrapped up as far as like the storyline itself? I mean, it, it is a, it's a pretty, um, pretty concise pat ending on this thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing you needed maybe more where the parents coming home yes, and seeing the yes. trashed house. Yeah. That was the only thing that I was kind of surprised that they, they didn't do. Right. You know, they have both suitcases and they drop them as they open the front door and they're like, what the, and yeah. then the credits would roll or maybe he'd yell, Glenn. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, all in all, this was, a uh, maybe a little more, kid friendly than i would have remembered um although i didn't remember it as being you know some horrible scary thing that was you know full of gore but uh it was a little maybe geared a little younger than i i remembered it being uh but all in all pretty good um enjoyable cast and uh pretty good storytelling um they even do this uh there's a shot near the end when the uh the boy runs upstairs when Glenn runs upstairs and he drops his flashlight and they, they pause on the flashlight and watch it fall to the chair below. And at the moment it's like, that's a weird shot. But then later when he has to go down the broken staircase, he drops down and picks up the flashlight, which he then uses the batteries for to, for the rocket. Right. It's like, Oh, that was, that was perfect little, uh, you know, just enough to show you, Oh, that's where that flashlight came from. Yeah, Chekhov's yeah. Chekhov's you know, D-cells, yeah. Exactly, you know, and I think a movie today probably wouldn't bother with that. It would just be like, oh, he has a flashlight now. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, good, there's one on this shelf right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a nice plant early in the movie, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this this one, uh, God, what was it? They, they made it for... Uh, Oh, what was the budget on this thing? I'm trying to find it. Um, I know it grossed like worldwide, like 13 and a half million. Wow. And I feel like they made it for less than a million. Um, yeah. I was going to say maybe I'd be surprised if it was half a million on this thing. Yeah. In the mid eighties, uh, probably 30,000, $40,000. Let's see. Oh, it it says here the budget was Canadian dollars, two and a half million, which at the time, oh. I think, uh, well, I shouldn't guess this, um, but still yeah, it, it, it made plenty of money. Uh, I, I remember the exchange rate was pretty weird back then. Um, like in the mid nineties anyway, uh, 
a U.S. dollar was worth two Canadian dollars. Yeah. Yeah. But if it was anything like that previous, then this would have been like one and a quarter million U.S. So that wouldn't have been that high of a budget. But yeah, it made 13 and a half million. So that's pretty good no matter what. Most yeah. most movies this day would be thrilled to have that kind of returns on investment. Have either of you seen the sequel? I didn't even know there no. was a sequel. They only bring back the sister and the nerd, right? Right. How, how is it? You've seen it? I've not seen it, but oh, okay. uh, every review I've, I've saw of it was not enthusiastic. So. Yeah. Mm. Not bothered. Yeah, the reactions yeah. I've heard were that it, it's hard to get through it if you can. Right. Yeah. Same director, and he, he also did Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, well, keep working. Can't maybe. Win them all. Yeah, maybe, maybe you'll, yeah, maybe lightning will strike for you again. Who knows? <laughs> um, so who's picking the next one? I think it's you. Is it me? Oh, man. Well, I was talking about doing something that had Herbert West in it, and I mentioned <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, and I mentioned the Frighteners. Now, as long as we can get our mitts on it, yeah. I, I say, let's do the Frighteners for next time. I've got it. Yeah. You own a copy of it? Mm-hmm. So if it so if it's not on uh, any of the platforms that we have, then maybe we'll have to borrow it from you. But I uh, also have. I was also checking for because because you'd mentioned uh, Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah. Uh, I also have uh, Necronomicon. Oh, that's a lesser known Jeffrey Coombs, isn't it? Yeah, that's the anthology. Well, I'm going to say uh, let's let's give uh, the Frighteners a chance and uh, okay. let's keep Necronomicon in in mind for. Uh, another future episode. I'll, I'll watch anything with him in it. Yeah. I'm trying to look up the Frighteners right now. Yeah. That, that one. Oh, you mean to see where it's available? It's not available anywhere. What? For any, for any amount. No. Uh, <laughs> you can rent it for about four bucks on Amazon. What is that YouTube, all about? Voodoo, Apple TV. Uh, stream on Stars Direct TV. So, so, you, so you pretty much have to get yourself a trial uh, a trial membership to Stars and then watch it and cancel. Yeah, and then cancel it. That, which I'm fine with doing. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, go get your trial membership of Stars, watch the Frighteners, and meet us back here in a week. Sounds so, good. Awesome. Anything else before we get out of here, guys? There is actually something. They're rebooting Highlander. Oh, good. Henry Henry Cavill. Yes. (laughs) I will be interested to see how it turns out. Are you going to watch it, Will? Are you going to give it a shot? Only if they cast a Scottish man as an Egyptian. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or an Egyptian as a Scottish man. (laughs) I'll accept either way. or, Or a French guy as a Scottish guy. That'll, that'll, yes. that'll work too. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's get out of here then. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, don't open the gate. I don't, <laughs> I don't have one this week. I, I got to start writing these down. 